please join us in giving special thanks to our patrons. Story folk Paul Jackson, Sean Powell, Shawnee Basket, and Selina Vokenhauer. You're listening to Lore and Legend, the Christmas specials. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Lore and Legend with your host Rick Scott, bringing you legendary tales inspired by the rich traditions of world folklore and mythology. If you enjoy the episode today, consider joining Paul, Sean, Shawnee and Selena as patrons and help us to pay for the music, the audio effects, the art and technology we use to enhance our telling of these wonderful stories. If you go to our website at www.loreandlegend.co.uk and click support us, then you can find out how. You're listening to part two of the 2021 Christmas special. This episode is called The Eagle and the Wren. His tale having been told, the bard Talesian resumed his place at the king's feasting table. And King Arthur himself gave a hearty cheer. The rough-shod knight whom Kay had abused was smiling too, appreciative of the story. Only Sir Kay was quiet, though it was hard to tell if he saw the rebuke in the tale or if he simply despised it. But now it was the turn of another knight to speak, and standing, he addressed the round table thus. Now, my good friends, I hope you will indulge me, for I have had sight of something that I find strange. A peasant's fashion, so it's told, on the second day of Christmastide, a St. Stephen's Day custom observed across all the bounds of these great British Isles even in Ireland and Cymru and the Kingdom of Man, where, as I myself saw it, gangs of boys dressed in rags and in straw will sweep through the towns and countryside, parading by every door. At the head of the riot is a captain or lord who bears him before a pole or a pitchfork, tied with a net, which is ribboned or tasseled from its foot to its head, and inside of the net is strung up a small bird, the wren it is called, and its cries are most piteous to be heard. This bird they have hunted down and caught it in the house thatch or in the fields, and now they sing along to its cries with a song of, of this feel. Oh, the wren, oh, the wren is the king of all birds till this St. Stephen's day when it's caught in the furs. Although he is little, his family is great. I pray you, good day, do give us a treat. And ere they come to any house with this bird, be it live or dead in their care, they say, please to see the king. And for a coin or a morsel, they will sing that strange song again. These wren boys after will make a parade all the night, 
filling the air with wild cries and often breaking out into fights according to the local passions. The Hunt of the Wren, or the Wren Day, I hear they call it. And most desirous am I to know whence comes it. For what reason do the Wren boys hunt the Wren? How splendid, said King Arthur with just a hint of a smile. This question is worthy of a tale from the wise. And thanks be to God, we have gathered here tonight the most learned and most travelled that there is in all the land. So surely this question must be within their ken. Who here will tell us why the Wren boys do hunt the Wren? And the first to speak up was the truth-telling parrot. The bard of all birds, who first sang in Eden when God made the world, and whom Arthur had won at a tournament in Christmas times past. The parrot cried, It is a tale that is ancient amongst my kind, for as I have heard, on the fifth day of creation, God called a conference of the birds. On the fifth day of creation, God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, but his work was not quite done. God took his paintbrush and his palette, and over the brown feathers of every winged fowl that he had created, but sat upon the branches of the tree of life, he painted bright colours and marks of distinction, so that every type of bird could discern the other by eye, and every kind could know of each other whether they were male or female. And God saw that it was good, but his work was not quite done. There must be a ruler in the kingdom of birds, he said. For all of creation must obey the great chain of being in the kingdom of animals as it is in the kingdom of man and the kingdoms of plants and minerals. So which one among you, the birds of the mountain and sea, of forests and plains, which deserves the highest station amongst birds. Which of you should be chosen king or queen? And so began the great debate amongst the birds. Which of them deserved to receive the divine right to rule their kind? Is it the most handsome and the most beautiful? The hoopoe and the robin and the peacock argued so. Or maybe it was the wisest. The raven and the parrot and the owl all thought so. Or was it the bird that was clearest and sweetest of song? The nightingale and the lark and the blackbird sung that it should be so. And all the birds crowed and they fluttered and they fought until the great golden eagle thrust himself forward, burst through the crowd and squawked at them. Our domain is the sky and our element is the air. 
And so it is only right that the one who deserves to rule us is the bird which can fly not the farthest, or the longest, or even the fastest, but the highest. And now the eagle's words cut through all previous argument, and amongst the birds it was agreed. Whoever could fly closest to heaven should be their monarch. And so each bird took their place on their branch of the tree of life. And one by one, they stretched out their wings and leapt out into the air. The world and the kingdom of birds was young, so most did not even yet know their own strength. Some of the birds at once discovered that their wings were quite useless. They were flightless birds. Others ascended a little way, but they soon settled into a descending swoop or glide. But others soared up high into the far reaches of the sky. And stretching out ahead of all of them, aloft on his great and powerful wings, the golden eagle soared above all the others. And when he had almost flown as high as his wings would allow and was assured of his victory, he looked down at the other birds and he gave a triumphant call. I am truly the king of the birds. You are below me all. But then... Not I came a cry, which took the eagle by surprise. Even as he was beginning to descend from his height, a little brown bird flitted out from beneath the eagle's own wing, and with a flick of its tail it leapt up just a feather's breadth above him. The red is the highest, I am your king. And from that great height and in a great rage, the eagle descended, and behind him the little brown bird which had hidden itself beneath his own wing. The small birds were all celebrating. The birds of prey were all outraged, and the eagle turned in fury as soon as they touched down. How dare you think to declare yourself king? You flew higher only by catching on to my tail feathers, a dirty piece of trickery. But the unassuming bird was unashamed. Great eagle, said the wren, if you might seek to win the title of ruler by your great size and strength and power, well, why might I not seek it? By cunning and sleight of wing. It is but another way. But if you would demand another challenge, then by all means, name it. And the larger birds all debated amongst themselves. And then they said to the wren and to the other small birds, We are agreed. Whoever can fly the highest and swoop the lowest should be king. And so on the branches of the great tree, the birds again took their place. And they leapt forward and swooped low, each gracefully and elegantly gliding as close as they dared to the ground, the green and the brown earth rushing by a mere feathered breadth beneath their bellies. And the wren was not the swiftest, nor would they have flown the farthest, and yet their eyes were the sharpest. 
For as they swooped low down close to the earth, they spied the entrance of a mouse's burrow which was open at both ends. And they flitted in through one side and out through the other, so that they swooped lower than all of the other birds that day. And the wren did sing for joy as they proclaimed their victory for all to hear. But the eagle and the other prey birds, filled with wrath, they surrounded the wren and they loomed over him menacingly, proclaiming that they would never bow down before a weakling and a trickster, demanding that they surrender the title of king. But the wren was stubborn, and they leapt back into the mouse's hole. And the eagle crowed and he began to proclaim to all that it was he who was king. And God blessed the creatures, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the sky and on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the conclusion of the fifth day. But the wren remained in the mouse's hole for days and nights afterwards. Even though the eagles, the hawks, the falcons and the owls all took turns waiting for them to emerge. And until one night the owl was guarding the hole, watching with its great luminous yellow eyes for any movement from the wren. But then the first ray of sunlight shone out over the horizon and momentarily the owl was blinded. In that moment, the wren seized its chance, flitting out of the hole and making its escape away into the long brush, away into the firs. And so they say, even though the golden eagle claims to be king, the wren is truly the king of the birds. And yet he is despised by the eagle and all the strong and the powerful. And that's the reason that the wren must always hide itself in bushes and in hedgerows and in the thatch of houses. It is to escape their gaze. And yet all the other birds know that the wren was first called king. And when it is that they wish to know something, they go to the wren because they are so clever and so wise and so cunning. You've been listening to the Lore and Legend Christmas Specials, Part 2, The Eagle and the Wren. Your storyteller today was Rick Scott. The theme tune was composed and performed by Robert Bentall, with additional music by Caleb Hennessy and Derek and Brendan Feister, and additional music and sound effects from the community at freesound.org. To find out the folklore behind this tale, you can visit us at www.loreandlegend.co.uk. This episode of Lore and Legend comes to you thanks to the contributions of our Patreon subscribers. Story folk Paul Jackson, Sean Powell, Shawnee Basket and Selena Vogelpower. Thanks to them for their generosity and enthusiasm for our stories. Consider joining our Storyfolk in supporting the podcast in the coming year by becoming a patron. 
you can visit our website and click support us to find out how. A Merry Christmas to all you beautiful story folk and thank you for listening. Join us tomorrow to hear another tale from Camelot and the Christmas court of King Arthur.